Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This holiday season, some 20 million Americans will tuck into this casserole, a culinary classic consisting of just six ingredients. A can of Campbell's Cream of Mushroom Soup, milk, soy sauce, black pepper, green beans, and crunchy fried onions. The retro recipe, which has been appearing on American tables for more than 60 years, can be traced back to one woman. This woman single-handedly changed the landscape of the holiday table. We're exploring the history and origins of green bean casserole. Welcome to another serving of Seasons Eatings, the podcast which explores the history and origins of your favorite Christmas foods. This is a bonus episode of the podcast I like to call the Seasons Eatings Side Dish. We're focusing on dishes that don't usually get the spotlight during the holidays. Seasons Eatings can be found wherever you download your favorite podcast. Seasons Eatings can also be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you love the show, then I humbly ask you to share this podcast with someone you think would love to hear more about the history of Christmas and the foods which shape the holiday we love so much. If you want to give me suggestions for future episodes, just email me at seasonseatingspodcast at gmail.com. All these links can be found in the show notes at seasonseatingspodcast.com. Before we dive into the creator of this iconic dish, we have to talk about where it all started. In the test kitchens of the Campbell Soup Company. The company was started in 1869 by Joseph A. Campbell, a fruit merchant from Bridgerton, New Jersey, and Abraham Anderson, an icebox manufacturer from South Jersey. They produced canned tomatoes, vegetables, jellies, soups, condiments, and minced meats. In 1876, Anderson left the partnership, and the company became the Joseph A. Campbell Preserve Company. Anderson's son, Campbell Spielman, split paths with his father and continued to work at Campbell's as a creative director, originally designing the iconic Campbell soup can. Campbell reorganized into Joseph Campbell & Company in 1896. In 1897, John T. Dorrance, a nephew of the general manager Arthur Dorrance, began working for the company at a wage of $7.50 a week. Dorrance, a chemist with degrees from MIT and Göttingen University, Germany, developed a commercially viable method for condensing soups by halving the quantity of its heaviest ingredient, water. He went on to become president of the company from 1914 to 1930 eventually buying out the Campbell family. 
1898, Herberton Williams, a Campbell's executive, convinced the company to adopt a carnelian red and bright white color scheme because he was taken by the crisp carnelian red color of the Cornell University football team's uniforms. To this day, the layout of the can with its red and white design and the metallic bronze metal seal from the 1900 Paris exhibition has changed very little, with the exception of the French phrase on top of the bronze seal that said Exposition Universale Internationale, which was changed to the English name of the exhibition as the Paris International Exposition. The company is most closely associated with its flagship canned soup products. However, through mergers and acquisitions, it has grown to become one of the largest processed food companies in the U.S. With a wide variety of products under its flagship, Campbell's brand, as well as other brands like Petridge Farm, Snyder's of Hanover, V8, and Swanson. Under its brands, Campbell produces soups and other canned meals, baked goods, beverages, and snacks. In order to promote the use of their products, Campbell's created their test kitchens in 1941. Professionally trained home economists develop recipes using Campbell's condensed soups. Even now, you can sign up for weekly emails for recipes using their soups through the Campbell's website. It was in these test kitchens that Dorcas Riley worked. Riley was born Dorcas Lillian Bates in Woodbury, New Jersey on July 22, 1926. She grew up in Glassboro and later in Camden. Riley attended Camden High School along with her future husband, Thomas H. Riley. Dorcas Riley went on to Drexel University where she earned a degree in home economics in 1947. She was the first member of her family to go to college. Riley started working at the Campbell's Test Kitchen in 1949. She was one of the first full-time employees in the department. Riley eventually went on to become the supervisor in the home economics department. She had also worked as a recipe developer. During her time at the Test Kitchen, she created hundreds of different recipes, including Campbell's Tomato Soup Meatloaf, tuna noodle casserole, types of porcupine meatballs, that's meatballs with rice, and the Sloppy Joe Super Burger. She is best known, though, for her creation of the green bean casserole. The green bean casserole in the Midwest seems to be, in many contexts, an unintentional performance of identity, but at other times a very purposeful expression of local identity, says Lucy Long, a folklorist, from Bowling Green State University Research Associate and Director of the Nonprofit Center for Food and Culture. Long, originally from the South, moved to Ohio 30 years ago and began noticing that the dish appeared on most Thanksgiving menus, crossing ethnic, religious, and socioeconomic differences. She reported her findings in a 2007 academic paper, Green Bean Casserole and Midwestern Identity, a Regional Foodways Aesthetic and Ethos. Green bean casserole is part of the Midwest culinary universe, Long wrote, reflecting industrial agriculture, the bland food of our European ancestors, and a fear of Mother Nature. The recipe is simple. Open cans, mix, bake, as Long describes it. 
It can be found online or on the back of products that sell like crazy at the holidays. Canned cream of mushroom soup, canned green beans, and yes, canned fried onions. Dr. John T. Dorrance, a chemist with the soup company, invented condensed soup in 1897. But the Campbell's cream of mushroom soup wasn't invented until 1934. By eliminating water in canned soup, Doris invented Campbell's famous condensed variety. This resulted in lower packaging, shipping, and storage costs and made it possible for people to buy a 290 grand can of soup for just a dime. We may be more sophisticated about food, but we haven't turned away from old favorites like canned soup. Americans buy more than 2.4 billion cans of soup each year, and 325 million of them are cream of mushroom, with 80% of them used in cooking, at a rate of 712,000 cans a day. In 1955, Dorcas Riley was working as a supervisor at the Home Economics Department of a Campbell's Test Kitchen in Camden, New Jersey, when she was asked with creating a recipe for a feature that would appear in the Associated Press. The recipe had to be based on ingredients that any home cook would have on hand, including Campbell's mushroom soup and green beans. Of course, in the 50s, most Americans actually had green beans in their freezers, and Campbell's cream of mushroom soup had been around since 1934, though it was mostly used as a casserole filler. Dorcas, with her degree in home economics, got to tinkering. According to today's Vidya Rayo, she and her team initially toyed with adding celery salt and ham to the recipe, but ultimately settled on six simple, affordable ingredients that could be stirred together in a casserole dish and popped in the oven for 25 minutes. The prep time was minimal, and the dish worked well with frozen or canned green beans, and the fried onions were pre-packaged. It was the perfect recipe for post-war America, when cheap, fuss-free cooking was all the rage. The lifting of wartime rations on canned goods coupled with innovations in canning and freezing that made packaged foods more accessible than ever, created a culture of convenience cooking. Though they continued to shoulder the responsibility of keeping the family fed, an ever-growing number of women were entering the workforce, fueling the demand for easy-to-make meals. The casserole as we know it didn't really exist before 1940. Casseroles became popular during World War II, when men were fighting abroad and women were left over to take their jobs while still preparing their meals at home. The one-dish casserole was a quick and easy way to get a balanced meal on the table. Originally called the green bean bake, Dorcas's dish really took off when Campbell's began printing the recipe on its mushroom soup cans, according to Karen Zrake of the New York Times. Campbell officially put the green bean casserole recipe on the cream of mushroom soup label in 1955, giving way to a slow burn that would soon cement the dish as a holiday must-have. Dorcas had created many recipes for the company and was somewhat surprised that the green bean casserole proved to be such a hit. A lot of different ingredients were tested in Dorcas's original recipe like Worcestershire sauce, celery, salt, and ham, but they have since been removed.
Of course, it still can be customized to please many different taste preferences, like bacon and cheddar green bean casserole. The same recipe can also be applied to almost any vegetable. Broccoli, cauliflower, and Brussels sprouts are great twists on this classic. For years, there were precise guidelines around the food styling of green bean casserole and how it was photographed. The french fried onions had to appear only around the edges of the casserole, not in the center. That's changed in the past decade or so, so feel free to sprinkle them all over. We all thought this was very nice, and then we got the feelings of the consumer. We were really kind of pleasantly shocked, Riley once said, according to today's rail. I'm very proud of this, and I was shocked when I realized how popular it had become. Riley made the casserole several times a year and often brought it to potluck dinners. One of the reasons for its popularity is that it pairs well with the two main proteins from the holiday table, turkey and ham. Green bean casserole has endured over the ages, with 40% of Campbell's cream and mushroom soup sales going towards making the dish, a spokesperson told Rayo in 2015. Nowadays, you can find upgraded versions of the recipe. Bon Appetit, for instance, recommends ditching the canned soup for whole milk, cream, and fresh cremini mushrooms. And Riley's handwritten original recipe card even made it into the archives of the National Inventors Hall of Fame in Akron, Ohio. Riley's pioneering accomplishments were not limited to the test kitchen. As a supervisor at Campbell's, she was a trailblazer in a world in which women were generally on the sidelines of corporate America, according to a video tribute from her alma mater. After taking time off to raise her children in 1961, she returned to the company two decades later, now in the role of manager of the Campbell's Kitchen, a position she held until her retirement in 1988. Nowadays, most people check online for recipes for the holiday table. Kathy Swanson, the cookbook editor for Betty Crocker in Pillsbury, expects a half a million hits alone for the week up leading up to Thanksgiving, most looking for a classic green bean casserole. I think we have 30 versions of the green bean casserole, Swanson said. We have ones that use frozen green beans or fresh green beans. We have recipes that are done in the slow cooker. We even have a cheesy version and a gluten-free version. I've even found a recipe for a paleo version. Most of the dozen people I asked about green bean casserole laughed at the dish's enduring popularity, and some said their foodie families would never stand for such processed food on their plate. Frozen vegetable magnet Green Giant set a record back in 2019 for the largest green bean casserole. While typical casserole recipes serve maybe 10 people at most, on November 20th, Green Giant created such a huge casserole it broke a Guinness World Record. The whopping dish weighed in at 1,009 pounds, dwarfing the previous record holder, also from Green Giant, that weighed 637 pounds. It took 10 chefs from Stella 34 Trattoria in Macy's Herald Square to create the casserole, working for a total of 8 hours. Typically, the average bake time for a green bean casserole is 25 minutes. In total, the team used an estimated 125,000 individual green beans for the recipe, or 1,069 cans of green bean cut green beans. 
alongside 485 cans of mushroom soup, 65 quarts of milk, and 95 pounds of french fried onions. While it seems like an excessive amount of food, rest assured it all went to a good cause. Green Giant partnered with City Meals on Wheels, a local nonprofit, and served the casserole to 3,000 people at senior centers across New York City. We'll explore the companion to this classic dish, the fried onions, after the break. On the Snow in Southtown Christmas podcast, we discuss Christmas movies, Christmas music, and we have fun segments where we always talk about something weird and something fun related to Christmas on each episode. If we're tired of making fun of Michael Bublé, I might recommend Pentatonics. I'm not going to play you two on this, on this podcast. Thank you. He's eating ice cream and crunch taters. He's just partying, man. Thank God it's them instead of you, right? I was going to say he was rolling over in his grave, but I don't think he's dead. But Well, he's still doing it. When he heard Patty LaBelle, he <laughs> dug his grave and he rolled in it. How about 10s and 20s? 10s and 20s. Be sure to check out our website at snowandsouthtown.wordpress.com, where you'll find links to our Facebook, our Twitter, and our Discord. Uh, yeah, I'd like the tiny tots, please. You need a, <laughs> some small tater tots? Yeah, yeah, your tiny tots. He told them the whole time. They know one beagle. Fire that up. Speaking my language now. You can stream our podcast at iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and anywhere else you get your podcast. It's a problematic movie. Yeah, we should pee together at least once per decade, really. He is Dallas Snow Sato because he is he's jingling those bells. Some <laughs> jingling them bells. Jingling those bells. Look what you did, you little jerk. Check out Snow in Southtown. You won't you regret it. And by won't, I mean will. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Chris. We're a married couple living in New York City. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably love Christmas just as much as we do. In our podcast, Christmas Time in the City, we talk about the history and traditions of the holidays in New York City. The Rockefeller Center Christmas Tree, Caroling in Washington Square Park, New Year's Eve in Times Square, the classic Christmas movies filmed here, we cover it all. In Listener Mail, we answer questions from listeners like you that may be planning a trip or maybe just curious about us. And in Christmas Confidential, we read anonymous listener-submitted Christmas confessions to help people finally get their deepest Yuletide secrets off their chest. So subscribe now wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. Unless you don't want to, then just forget about it. Really? What, too much? (laughs) No, it's fine. Common fried onions are cooked by basic pan-frying or sautéing of sliced onions. If the much higher temperature immersive deep-frying is used, this prepares the onions in a similar manner to that of French fried potatoes. Crispy deep-fried onions are called French fried onions in southern cooking of the United States. Smaller and irregularly shaped from being deep-fried until they are crunchy, Onions are an integral part of the American dish, green bean casserole. Fresh, crisp fried onions may be used as garnishes in some restaurants. This simple but effective recipe for fried onions comes from the 1928 edition of Southern Cooking by S.R. Dull. Cut onions into quarter inch slices and pull ring loose. Soak in sweet milk for an hour. Take the rings from milk and cover in flour to which salt and pepper has been added. Drop in deep fat and fry until brown. They should float in the grease. They will go to the bottom at first and then float to the top when they are done. Do not fry too many at a time. 
A small batch may be done quicker than too many at one time. In Denmark and the rest of Scandinavia, there are staple garnish for hot dogs and are served in local fast food restaurants or by street vendors. Crisp fried onions are also used in biryani or for layering and garnishing. As ubiquitous as these are come holiday season, we rarely consider the history of some pantry staples like this. To uncover the fascinating history of french fried onions, you first think of the iconic brand French's. But first, we found out that McCormick now owns French's, according to Kevin Vetter, executive chef and director of culinary development for McCormick Global in Hunt Valley, Maryland. Yep, the French's that is emblazoned on a red flag that graces each can of the one of the nation's best-selling onion toppings was bought by the Spice Company in 2017. To the best of our knowledge, Olney and Carpenter were the first large-scale producers of canned French onions at some point in the 1930s, Vetter explains. There were several acquisitions over the years, with French's taking over in the 1980s. French fried onions became known as French's Crispy Fried Onions in 1986. Through acquisition, French's joined the McCormick and Company family of brands in 2017. The original French fried onion recipe dates back to 1904, making the formula more than 117 years old. The creator and his or her inspiration to develop in the first place are two details that have been lost in time. But we do know that French fried onions are made with real onions, and French's alliums are all grown in the United States. Today, it can also be found on the back of the French's original crispy fried onions canister, Vetter says. That classic French's green bean casserole has been gracing tables for over 65 years. In response to people's evolving diets and search trends, our chefs recently released a vegan recipe variation that includes raw cashews, plant-based milk, and is, of course, topped with French's original crispy fried onions. The McCormick team also heard from many consumers that they noshed on French fried onions as they prepared their holiday meals. So they riffed on the theme to release a limited edition green bean casserole snack mix earlier this year. It's made with our famous French fried onions, crisp vacuum fried green beans and mushrooms, all seasoned with spices, onions and sour cream. The popular release sold out quickly and we're bringing it back due to consumer demand, Vetter says. If you find this dish on your holiday table, you can thank the ingenuity of Dorcas Riley and her pioneering work at the Campbell Soup Company. Seasons Eatings has created some great items for your holiday gift giving. We have shirts, mugs, tote bags, and more. Just click on the merchandise tab at seasonseatingspodcast.com. Thank you for listening to this serving of Seasons Eatings. Seasons Eatings is available on Apple Podcasts, Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, Deezer, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Please, if you can leave a review about the show so we can spread the Christmas cheer. And if you let me know you left a review, I'll send you a Seasons Eatings sticker as a personal thank you. Also, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email at seasonseatingspodcast at gmail.com to let me know how you like the show, suggestions for future episodes, or just to say hi. I know we all get busy during this holiday season, so even sharing the podcast with someone who loves Christmas would be a great help. 
And if you're feeling extra generous this season, you can buy me an eggnog. Head on over to seasonseatingspodcast.com and click on the little cup in the corner. Each small donation helps with the daily running of the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Thank you for listening and tune in again for another serving of Seasons Eatings. All music for the podcast is used under the Creative Commons license. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.